welcome to Great Bakes Hot Takes, a sweet and scrumptious little Great British Baking Show fan cast. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Andrew Giada. And we are here today with a slightly later than usual episode, thank you for your patience, uh, to talk to you about one of the most iconic episodes in the show's history, I think. And apparently in British television in general. From what I understand, this episode was quite, it caused quite a stir when it came out. It definitely made some waves over there across the pond. Oh, was uh, referred to in my research as the hashtag Bingate controversy. We and are, you will see why. <laughs> you'll see why. It's a, it's actually, it's, it's a beautiful sort of tragedy in a very classical mm. sense. And it's a tale of know hubris and betrayal and very the much. elements working against you it's it's really kind of epic and legendary yes very much man against nature and man against man and man against self man against ice cream man even against ice cream. All, it's got all of the classical elements of tragedy in it. yes very much um, and we are speaking of course of united states collection one episode four which is the desserts episode just plain old desserts desserts they're just desserts, you might even say. So yeah, we will get to that sweeping tale of, of betrayal. Betrayal <laughs> uh, later in the episode, but first, let's start off by talking about, as always, uh, the signature bake this week. Yes. The signature bake. Well, should we start with our own take on the signature bake? Well, first let's tell them what the signature bake was, what sure. the challenge was. The signature bake was, of course, self-sourcing <laughs> self-sourcing puddings. Not sourcing, not sorcery. Self, self-saucing. Self-saucing, If yes. you are from our general sort of dialectical region. <laughs> yes, so a self-saucing pudding is what they had to make. They had to make mm. a, a pudding which produced basically its own, they use the word, produces its own moisture. Mm -hmm. um, now, I, I wasn't sure the first time I watched the episode what the difference between a pudding and just a regular dessert is. So a pudding, from my research... Okay, because I'm still not sure. <laughs> okay, so a pudding, from my research, can be either a savory or sweet dish in um, Britain. Okay. Um, usually it is sweet unless it's otherwise right sure so, um, um, same <laughs> sure fair. so unless it specifically says in its name this is a savory pudding it's typically a sweet pudding okay. and and you just kind of use it interchangeably with dessert so there is no set this is a pudding this is not a pudding it's just dessert if you call it a pudding it's a pudding gotcha basically okay fair so they had two hours to make eight individually portioned self-saucing puddings. Mm -hmm. And we uh, embarked upon this challenge, <laughs> never having made anything like this before. Never. Yeah, and similarly, some of the bakers in the tent actually weren't super familiar with this concept. It's really interesting. And it's only because we've watched this episode like four times mm -hmm. <laughs> that I think I was even ready to begin attempting it. Um, but it's a really fascinating kind of concept. So basically, there are two ways to do it. Yes. You can either make traditionally sort of a fondant. Um, basically, you end up with like a lava cake, right? So like a lava cake is a self-saucing pudding. It's You cut into it, and it produces its own sauce that mm -hmm. you then have over the cake. You don't have to do it, like drizzle anything over it. Or you can do what we did, and mm -hmm. three of the bakers did in their episode yes. where they made their sponge batter mm -hmm. and then put the sauce over it and as the sponge bakes it rises and kind of absorbs the liquid and creates its own kind of moist um, sponge 
cake. Yeah, it's really fascinating how it works, basically. So you, you make the sponge, and then you, like, again, drizzle over top of it, and then as the sponge, like, rises and bakes and inflates, basically the sauce, like, drops right down through it, and then back up into it, like a crazy lava lamp. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it is very fun. Lava cakes and lava lamps, I guess, are the two ways to think about it. <laughs> you either got a lava cake or a lava lamp. Which anyway, one are you? Well, I loved what we came up with. Uh, uh? <laughs> what we came up with was a tiramisu self-saucing pudding. Yeah, so we decide one thing, we just love tiramisu. It's and my favorite. what's not to love. Mm-hmm. It's got all of the great dessert blocks of the dessert pyramid. It's got yes, continue. coffee and cake and chocolate and alcohol. Yep, those are the main ones. And mascarpone. And mascarpone, you know. So that's all of them. That's, that's all the bases. That is, you know, the five blocks of the pyramid. <laughs> is it possible to make a five-blocked pyramid, I guess? Depends on the shape of the blocks. Oh, that's true. But yes, we made a, a tiramisu self-saucing pudding. So we basically came up with our sponge batter and then put it in individual ramekins. And over that, we... Um, we dusted them with cocoa and coffee and sugar and then poured our brandy coffee mixture over that. And so as they baked, that brandy mm-hmm. coffee mixture soaked down through the cocoa and the coffee and then um, rose back up into the sponge. And I thought they were delicious. It was delicious. It had a very nice um, coffee brandy flavor. Mm-hmm. Not as much chocolate as I would have expected necessarily. Really? Because I was definitely getting some of that unsweetened cocoa in bits. I, they probably weren't very consistent. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not. And then we piped mascarpone onto the top after yes. we were done. Yeah. I think the mascarpone, we should have done something else with the mascarpone. Made it like a kind of sweet Maybe. Thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, they were very good. It added I a would, very nice I would texture. love to try it again. I would too. What would you do differently? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I think for one thing, um, we did use like the special dark unsweetened cocoa powder, Mm -hmm. which was very good. But I think maybe with the brandy and the coffee, the other like really strong flavors already, we should have gone with like a softer cocoa. Maybe. I think that would have helped a little bit. And um, next time I make it, I think I'd like to try, because I mixed the the sponge by hand this time. Mm -hmm. I folded it by hand. And I think next time I would use a stand mixer, just try to get more air whipped into the it batter. It was a very dense cake. It was really dense, yeah. And the texture was, it, it was just a lot. It was very, very rich mm-hmm. and not necessarily in, it, it wasn't ideal. I think that I would I would like to try to get a lighter sponge next time we did it. Next time we do it, I would like to flavor the sponge a little bit more. Okay, yeah. So yeah. how would you flavor it? What would I'd, you get in there? I think some orange in there would be very good with the coffee and chocolate That might flavor. be nice. Yeah, a little bit of, of that acidity to just punch through and or we could instead of using coffee and brandy we could use coffee and i've had this really nice orange liqueur before i I think that might be another really good alternative that could be nice that would be like a nice christmas time treat yeah chocolate orange i'm gonna try not to bump the table with my coffee mug thank you (laughs) that's not a not a great ear feel for our sound not necessarily uh yeah so that was our sort of signature bake this week let's talk about everybody else's do you want to start with your girl martha Let's start with our girl, Martha. Martha Martha made... was a star this week. I just want to say that, like, all of Martha's bakes this week, phenomenal. As always, I know, you're looking at me as if that's... It's not news. It's not news, even a little bit. But... Anyway, Sorry. Martha <laughs> made a uh, peanut butter center um, chocolate sponge with caramelized peanuts on top. Mm-hmm. Classic flavors, chocolate, peanut butter. What could go wrong? Except for Paul, who does not understand peanut butter. Paul does not understand Whenever peanut anybody butter. uses peanut butter, Paul is perplexed by the flavor, by the texture. He said, 
It's welding my mouth shut. Like, yes, Paul, that's peanut butter. It does that. <laughs> well, I can understand how if you're not used to peanut butter, it would be kind of unpleasant to bite into a cake. And He's not a professional baker. He doesn't understand peanut butter, though. He's a professional <laughs> baker. He should understand something as like rudimentary as peanut butter. It is so funny. Like, every time it happens, he's just not ready for it. He's not. And it's, frankly, wild that he made it this far in his life without, you know, (laughs) tasting peanut butter once. He must forget every time he does it, though, because every single time he comes back to it, like, peanuts Hmm. and and chocolate? All right. So you're telling me that you're putting peanuts and jam (laughs) on bread? Are you hmm. sure? But, well, I'm not going to say anything, but uh, <laughs> let's see how it turns out. Oh, it's gutsy. <laughs> gutsy, yeah, gutsy. exactly. Says, Speaking of gutsy, yes. Nancy mm. made a layered fondant with chocolate and pistachio sponge and a chocolate fondant center. So she basically had like two different kinds of sponge stacked on top of each other with this, this soft, gooey chocolate fudge fondant Well, it was center. supposed to be soft and gooey. Yeah, it was it was still soft. It just was not quite liquidy enough. It was slightly overbaked in the end. Yes, it was dry. And she disagreed. She, well, of course she did. She disagreed. She thought, oh, it doesn't have time to get dry. It's a pudding. You eat them in two minutes, two minutes anyway. anyway. She was uh, she was displeased she with was very displeased. Paul's criticism. She disagrees with Paul a lot now. Yeah, she, it's kind of her thing. <laughs> yeah, that's her main character trait. Oh, hello, Bear. Aw. Um, let's talk about Kate. Yeah. So Kate had these... And they looked delicious. They honestly. sure did. They were chocolate and they were chocolate and salted caramel fondants. So a chocolate sponge with a salted caramel center, mm. which is always a great combination. Of oh, flavors. it's an incredible. But she um, topped it with toasted almonds that she kind of baked at well the bottom of mm-hmm. the tray. But when she flipped it over, they were all at the top. Yeah. So when she turned them out, they just had like this beautiful toasted almond crust on the top. And it oh, looked gorgeous. It was so good. Mmm. 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 Salted caramel. It's the season for that sort of thing, too, so I'm just very into it. Yes. Ian made these actually really, really delicious-looking um, chocolate, lime, and raspberry fondants. So he flavored his sponge with chocolate and lime, which I thought was really interesting. I I'm, love chocolate and citrus, I'm but I've not, not really had sure. chocolate and lime. I'm not sure I've ever had chocolate and lime. Um, yeah, but chocolate and lime, like I think, could be really, really lovely. And then he had the raspberry center in it and then for a little decoration on top he painted mint leaves with chocolate and then yes, filled them which off is so always chocolate a, leaves. A wonderful idea. it's a really nice touch yeah yes 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 diana 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 made these gorgeous orange lemon um surprise puddings yeah, and so this was fascinating because this was actually a different technique than anybody else used yes. in this first bake. She combined the sauce right into the sponge mm-hmm. bag. Yeah, she mixed everything together. And then apparently something about the way that you make it, when you go mm-hmm. to bake it, the syrup drops through. Like it doesn't inflate with the rest of the sponge. It doesn't stay mixed in. So you ended up with an orange and lemon curd at the very bottom. I and she served them in these lovely teacups. They were so charming. I would love to get this recipe and try it out. Just because they looked gorgeous. I love the citrusy flavors. Yeah. You might be able to find it on the internet. I've actually found like on, um, I don't remember if it's the BBC or PBS, but one of the sites has uh, like a breakdown episode by episode. And they include like whatever recipes the baker's whatever recipes the bakers chose to share. We have our dog over here with us while we're recording right now, so there's a lot of jingling in the background. I'm so sorry if I don't cut all that out in post. 
But yeah, Diana had just a really tremendous end product. They presented so nicely. Apparently the flavors were just spot on. Mm-hmm. And she um, she really had a probably the best week she's had so far. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard. Ugh, Rich. Uh, Richard came through with some Black Forest chocolate fondants, um, and he had the comment which was, anything sticky and full of chocolate I love. So I think that's a pretty good philosophy to have. And generally, anything made by Richard I love, so... So there were these Black Forest chocolate fondants with a, a cherry coolie center. Yes. And they were just gorgeous. Yeah, I absolutely love Black Forest anything. Cherries and chocolate go extremely well together, of course. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Chetna was a little bit worried mm-hmm. because last week she came through with a lot of Indian flavors. And she As said, she does. which is, you know, they're always gorgeous. But she was worried that people thought, oh, well, that's all she can do. So she came through with a rhubarb, strawberry, and orange um, pudding decorated with uh, caramel butterflies. Yeah, and they were so beautiful that it's actually, like, the picture that they use on the, like, the opening credit sequence. Yeah. There's, like, a really beautiful shot of oh, they're gorgeous. those they're, puddings. They're so beautiful. They're, like, orange and pink with these little caramel bits on them. And... Her sugar work is always so stunning. Oh, any kind of decoration she does with either mm-hmm. sugar work or chocolate, it's it's gorgeous. Ugh, soul of an artist. Yes. Love it. Uh, did we talk about Louis? We did not talk about Louis yet. So Louis um, kind of went into this challenge, I think, a bit uh, daunted. but I would say daunted is a very good word. But he had a really, really cool concept that I would love to see reworked. Because it didn't work so well in execution, but I still definitely wanted to get my mouth all over it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> Which was, he made these cinnamon and almond poached pear puddings. So he poached these pears um, in like a cinnamon syrup. And then put them in these beautiful little dishes and piped the sponge batter around them and then used the reserved poaching syrup as his sauce for his self-saucing puddings. Mm-hmm. The problem is the texture of the sauce didn't really come through. It was through. very runny. It was a bit thin and runny, and so when it soaked back up into his sponge, it just made it kind of claggy Wet. was the word claggy. that Paul used. Okay. Um, which, like, fair. I can see that. And yeah. I think we kind of had a little bit of that with our sponges, too. A little bit, I can yeah. see how there was a little bit of clagginess. Yeah. So, you know... Game recognized game, <laughs> but Fair enough. But they still, like, the flavor still looked really, really good. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think with some modification, it could be an excellent time. I agree. It's time. Oh no! It's must time. We? Yes, we must. We must. He's the only one left. Yeah, we must. <sighs> do you want me to start, or do you want just just wanna... go, just go? Norman made a traditional his mother's sticky toffee pudding with treacle sauce, which. You know, it's not bad. There's nothing wrong with a sticky toffee pudding with treacle sauce. It's true. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong and with it. And that's every bake he's done so far. There's nothing wrong with it's it. It's just, there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't stand out. There's just nothing wrong with it. Yeah, and they didn't present well. And when they commented on that, Norman was like, well, it's sticky toffee pudding. It's not supposed to present well. And just was like very irate about this commentary. But he's on a perf- like a baking competition. He always finds ways to justify what he's making and saying, yeah. well, it's not supposed to do that. Or, well, traditionally it looks like this. But like, then don't do that. That's not what <laughs> yeah, they're looking for. Better. They want something that's going to present well. It's a signature challenge. Like if your signature is a messy bake, then what does that say then about you? Don't do it. Do something else. Sorry for any Norman fans out there who are, like, okay, if you're a Norman fan, why are you still listening to our podcast? We clearly have very different aims, but... 
Let's move on. Uh, let's, let's not talk about it anymore. Technical bait. The technical challenge. Yes. All right. So the technical challenge this time around was Mary Berry's tiramisu cake. Which is a wild concept to me. It's a cake, but tiramisu? Wow. It's like... (laughs) What will they think of next? It's like Paul and peanut butter. Like, what? (laughs) You're like, hmm, "Hmm, you took this dessert and you made it a cake? Are you Hmm, sure about that? Are you sure? I love cake. I love tiramisu. I love Mary Berry. What could go bad? A lot could go bad, apparently. (laughs) Reader, much went bad. Reader, a lot went bad. What they were looking for with this cake is looking for nice, even layers, nice blend Mm -hmm. of the chocolate, the mascarpone, and the coffee brandy mixture. Um, Especially in the sponges and the layers, they wanted that coffee brandy mixture evenly distributed. Uh Uh-huh. So, that being said... We had a really nice juxtaposition between Norman and Louie. Oh my gosh. Again, the editing on the show is fantastic. So Norman was was making his his mixture and pouring it over the layers. And he said, well, it's not supposed to be like, you know, that exact. I'll probably have a little bit left over for a wee nip. And then it cuts to Louie who says, well, they're not going to give you extra. I needed to divide it by four because there are four layers and split them up evenly over the four layers. And it's like... That's the kind of precision that they're looking for. I have to say, I really love the technical bakes because, um, one, it's just, it's a fun part of the show. The idea that, like, they're all given this sort of recipe and have to interpolate from their skills and experiences how to make it all come together. But there's something really funny about giving everybody the exact same recipe and watching all of these different personalities, like, show up in such specific ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And you were talking about Louie, and that was very funny in this one because, like... (laughs) It's it, it's not not a complicated cake. No, right? like it's, it's not easy. There's a lot of pieces to come together on this. There yes. are like these different layers and you have to get everything even. But Louis, like, <laughs> he had his tin, right? His square tin for the cake. And he specifically like stenciled and cut out his baking paper so it would like origami perfectly into this tin. And then he like divided all of his measurements to get all of the layers exactly right. And then he diagrammed his cake like on graph paper so that he could keep track of the layers. So it was and, like And sponge. Mel was giving him a really hard time about this. It was yeah. sponge, uh, cream, sponge, cream, sponge, cream, sponge, cream, like eight times. Yeah. And so... And so Mel was giving a hard time. She's like, okay, well, if you look and see, you've just put sponge down. So it kind of has to be cream next. And Louis just like collapsed on the counter. Like, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, I love his precision. I love yes. the level of specificity that he brings to the kitchen. Well, and that's how what he you balance- need. Yeah, and how he balances that with still being such like a creative individual when it comes to his concepts. Mm-hmm. His concepts are always really, really kind of like out there and unique and different. And then the way he executes them is always so like system- systemic, I guess. Like well, logical, I f- methodical is I f- the word I want. Yeah, I feel like with his creative bakes he needs to be that mm-hmm, precise definitely because they're so complicated and and so complex he needs to be exact with all of his measurements and everything yeah the biggest problem most of the bakers ran into with this cake is they had to bake their sponge and then cut their sponge in half mm-hmm. horizontally to get the layers that they needed and a lot of the sponges just straight up didn't rise enough for that it's hard to get enough air into a sponge and i remember when we did our our swiss roll in the very first episode um you know it's it's a hard difficult. thing to do. Yeah, sponges are, are tricky. It was Richard and Ian, right, mm-hmm. who basically just threw out their first sponges and started And over. just rebaked them. They just yeah, baked which, a new sponge. Kudos to them. I admire that kind of quick thinking. <laughs> yeah, and it worked out well for them. I it think. did. Yeah, they both did pretty well on the technical challenge. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they were also having trouble because, and this is relevant, it was apparently a fairly warm day in the tent. Yes. And only getting warmer as the episode goes on. Now, I have never been to England. Nor have I. I'm not an expert on the weather patterns over there. However, because it comes up again in the Showstopper Challenge, we were looking up like the temperature and they were talking about how it was like a sweltering. It was the hottest day of the year, 25 degrees. Celsius, obviously. Celsius. Yeah. Which we, we translated into Fahrenheit and it was like 77. It's 77 degrees. Kitchen. It was 77 degrees in the tent. Which, granted, is warm for a kitchen, but these these people were just like melting. Kate was saying, oh, it's so hot. She was like laying on the floor. Like, it's so hot. They were freaking out about, oh, all of this chocolate isn't going to set and the ice cream yeah. and we need to hurry everything up. It's 77. Well, like, the ice cream is the next challenge. The ice cream, we'll yeah, that. we'll get to that. But, but... Yeah, I was going to say the chocolate tempering they were having trouble with in this yes. challenge because they tempered it and then the chocolate was melting as it was sitting out in the tent. Um, I still think that tempering chocolate is like one of the most intimidating baking tasks I've ever seen. Really? <laughs> yeah, you just, I don't know. It's, they always, whenever they have to do it, talk about how if you mess anything up, like your chocolate just will not work at all and you have to get it up to just this temperature mm -hmm. and then down to just this temperature and I don't know. I don't know. I feel like once you know the numbers, it would be okay. You just like keep a watchful eye once the thermometer hits that temperature. You I wasn't made to be beholden to thermometers. Well, I don't have I can't a, be tied to I don't we have, have a we don't thermometer, have a candy so we, we can't do it. Yeah. But um, I think if we did, it would be or not, at least not, well. as, not as intimidating. <laughs> well, in any case, um, the bottom three of the technical challenge yes. were Diana in ninth place, Norman mm -hmm. in eighth, and then um, Kate in seventh. And then the top three. Chetna mm -hmm. in third, Louis in uh -huh. second, and then of course Martha. Martha, in first. Martha totally nailed it. She she got had a it really beautiful cake. It was just gorgeous. Okay, so it is that time. It is that fateful time. Uh, Each time I watch this episode, I hope it goes differently. It, I know, me too. It never does. This is like the third time we've watched it in the past couple weeks, mm -hmm. and like still, I'm sitting there on the edge of my seat, like no, 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 no. This is the most stressful this podcast will ever get, I think. I think so. <laughs> the most stressful this show gets, um, at least on what I've seen so far. Because, you know, the one of the things that I love so much about The Great British Baking Show is that even when the stakes are, like, comparatively very high and tensions are flaring in the tent, it's still, like, very calm. It's, it's a very relaxed energy. Versus, like, especially paired against some of the American baking oh competitions. Oh, my gosh, where it's intentionally, it's like, so it's much all tension. tension. They ratchet everything up as much as they can. And this yeah. show is just, like, you have four and a half hours to make a dessert. Do your best. Do your best and let's be friends. Mm -hmm. um, but this episode is so... It gives me a lot of secondhand anxiety. And there's um, no better mouthpiece for that feeling of dread and difficulty than our our special boy, Ian. Our good, good boy, Ian. Uh, Ian, formerly of the Great British Baking Show. Wow, spoilers. <laughs> it's not. Oh, this poor guy. Let's go through the bakes first. Let's talk about it. So they had four and a half hours to make a baked Alaska. So if you aren't familiar with a baked Alaska, it's a really, really interesting, very, very retro dessert where basically you have um, a sponge cake on the bottom and then you have layers of ice cream and then the ice cream is covered with meringue all around. Decorative meringue that's then blowtorch to give it, you know, that nice finished meringue feeling. Um, so they had four and a half hours to make everything from scratch. So they had to start 
from fresh ingredients, make their own ice cream, get it in the freezer. And there are a lot of steps involving this where you have to like get it to set up so you can keep decorating it with these non-frozen ingredients, you know? And there were a lot of problems they were running into with this. Most of the problems stemmed from how hot it was. Mm -hmm. It was 77 degrees, as we said. And the fact that all these bakers were sharing freezers, which I frankly yeah. find unacceptable in a baking yeah, show. Yeah, when you have nine people, you shouldn't have to share like five, four or five freezers. Yeah, because I don't know everybody was have. having to open and close the doors to put their own base in and check them. And mm -hmm. like, that means that you can't keep a consistent temperature in there. Right, just get more freezers <sighs> and, and these problems would not problems. Anyway, everybody was having problems with their ice cream setting up properly, or rather not setting up properly. Things weren't freezing as they should, but despite that, there were some really excellent bakes, and let's go through them. Okay. Um, who do you want to start with? Uh, let me see. Who do I have? I have, I have Diana's up first. Sounds good. Okay, so Diana, continuing her actually fairly strong streak this week, Made, yeah, she had a very good week. Yeah, she made a raspberry ripple swan-shaped baked Alaska. Mm -hmm. And it was swan-shaped. It was yeah. beautiful. She used a Swiss meringue, which basically you cook over a bain-marie so the eggs firm up a lot mm -hmm. more. Um, it's how you get like those really crunchy meringue cookies, I think. It's the same kind yeah, of deal. pretty sure it is. So she literally shaped like a beautiful swan kind of basket shape. It was gorgeous. Yeah, and then the baked Alaska was like all inside of that. And it was really, really cool the way that it's set up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I talk about Norman? Please talk about Norman. So Norman, just as he does at the beginning of every challenge, made the just self-aware enough to be annoying comment that he realized he needed to up his game a little bit. And so what he said, I kid you not, going into this challenge was, I really need to up my game. You know, I wanted to play it safe for the first two or three episodes, and now I just have to wow them. So he made a vanilla baked Alaska with a couple strawberries inside. It was his strawberry surprise baked Alaska. It was a plain sponge, plain meringue, vanilla ice cream. With some strawberries With just in a it. tiny little pocket of strawberries. The, the strawberries weren't even like even no, they distributed. No, they were just It was like a surprise pocket, like an inch deep of strawberry at the very top of his Alaska. Mm-hmm. Why is he like this? Can't play it safe anymore. I <laughs> can't. No, you we know, got to wow really step outside our comfort zone. The thing is, like, none. Paul was saying when, when he judged Norman's, there's nothing wrong with the meringue, the ice cream, or the sponge, or the strawberries. But he's playing it so safe that he's starting to fail, is what he's saying. Yeah, he made a point that I really, <clears throat> that I really, really liked, which he said, you know, when you break it down, all of the parts of this are good, but you're kind of missing the point sometimes. Mm -hmm. Which, big mood. <laughs> yeah, big mood. All right, so since you had to talk about Norman, <laughs> do you want to talk about your favorite next? Well, you go ahead. You sure? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Martha made a key lime baked Alaska. It was really beautiful. It was it gorgeous. It was just gorgeous. So she made like a key lime ice cream on sponge with uh, meringue in kind of like a dome shape, mm -hmm. right? In fact, she was literally just describing the concept to them, and they were pretty much ready to hand her the award. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were like, okay, star baker. Here okay, go. that's fine. Yeah, yep, here, take that's it. That's fine. Good. Cool. <laughs> Um, and then she decorated the outside of it with these spirals, like roses. They were beautiful. Yeah, they yeah were gorgeous. these gorgeous rosettes on the outside. The my favorite um, pie is pumpkin. Okay. My second favorite pie is key lime. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I remember key lime pie, that my mom made when I was maybe four or five. It was delicious. It had this nice graham cracker crust, mm -hmm. and of course the key lime flavor. But the reason this stands out more than any other uh, pie that she's ever made for me 
or for our family, is that she put some green food dye in it, but accidentally put way too much. Uh-huh. So it was just this bright green <laughs> key lime pie. Like, imagine looking at just like a very ripe lime. Oh, good. It was that green. Oh, my gosh. Not like the kind of nice pale <laughs> right, greenish yeah. yellow color. It was just bright green. <laughs> That's so funny. And my five-year-old self was like, heck yeah, this is This is the, the best. king of pies. Uh-huh. And it set a standard that I'm sure no other key lime pie has ever lived up to. No. None of them match that just, that beautiful, really characteristic color that you're supposed to get yes. in a <laughs> neon nat- key lime pie. <laughs> very natural neon green. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Chetna went back to sort of her traditional flavors, which I was so glad to see. Be yourself, Chetna. Yeah. Be yourself. Follow through. Um, and she was talking about how she learned ice cream making from her mother. And so she was using these traditional summery Indian flavors where she had a mango raspberry ice cream on top of this like big coconut cake that looked delicious. Mm. Everybody else had like these thin sponge bases. Yeah, it was bases. like very thin sponge. Mm-hmm. Hers was pretty she thick. She had like I a whole say, ass cake. I'd say it was, <laughs> it was maybe like four inches thick. Yeah, Just it was like a, a big it. cake. Um, it was beautiful. Four inches? Three inches maybe. It, it's hard to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, Is it time? I think it's time. It's time. Uh, well, it's time to at least scratch the surface of this scenario. So, um, this is a sad moment for me and for everybody. Hashtag Bingate. Mm-hmm. It was a big time. Hashtag Bingate. So, Ian set out to make a baked Alaska that I actually was really excited to see. I would be so down to umph. I still just, just yes, put I'm, this in my technical face. terminology. Umph. Yes, umph I this. do want to eat this yes. baked Alaska so very much. He was working on a concept with a black sesame ice cream on a cocoa sponge. Um, with bits of caramel. With caramel and coffee in it, right? Yes. Yeah, there were coffee flavors in it too. Um, covered with like this really elaborate meringue decoration that he had planned mm-hmm. out. And, uh, you know, from the beginning, I was very excited for this. And Paul was very excited for this. Mary, Mary made... was not. <laughs> Mary came over and immediately just hated everything about this She process. came over. So he was making his, his custard mixture. His black right? sesame. His yeah. black sesame seed custard mixture for the ice cream. And she came over and said, oh, is that mushroom soup? And then she just made this horrible thing. Once he said, uh, no, it is, it's going to be a black sesame seed ice cream. She made this horrible, <laughs> scowling, like the angriest face I may have ever and, seen in my life. And it was just frozen on her face until she left. Until like, she Paul, realized, like, like, Paul and Ian were having a conversation <laughs> and Mary was just Mary was just standing there staring at the custard, <laughs> scowling. So displeased. Um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll get back to... The outcome of Ian's bake in a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's get through the rest of the flavors, then we'll talk about Bingate. Okay. Uh, so Nancy made um, an almond sponge with layered summer berry ice creams, and she had probably one of the more ambitious baked Alaskas. Yeah. She ended up with three different ice creams that she layered in a sort of parfait inside, and then had this just stunning meringue decoration mm-hmm. on the outside of it, like these beautiful berry ripple swirls. Oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. Yeah. And it turned out super well. The judges loved it. You know, they said, what were their comments exactly? I have them right here. Gorgeous presentation, very professional, very precise. And Paul said, you know, in these conditions, exceptional. Mm -hmm. So everybody was struggling a little bit with their bakes, except, of course, Nancy, who Who defies all laws of nature. Who uses black magic in her baking. (laughs) And came out on top with a just stunning result. Um, Just to power through the rest of them, Kate 
made of pistachio, raspberry, and chocolate baked Alaska. Apparently, she said it's a very Brightonian sort of I don't know. flavor palette. I'm not from Brighton. Me Kate either. is, so I trust Kate her is. on this. I would assume that she knows the flavor palette. Richard made a tiramisu Alaska, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, he, it was a really cool concept. He didn't put just one layer of sponge at the bottom like everyone mm-hmm. else. He had it layered like ladyfingers in there. So yeah. it was like layer of sponge, layer of ice cream, sponge, ice cream up to the top. Um, which I think may have served him well in the end because they were yeah. thinner layers of ice cream to have to freeze, you know. Um, his cake still got a little bit messy. It still didn't present like as well as they wanted, but the judges were very, very forgiving. You know, because it was so hot. Because it was just it was just unbelievably hot. <laughs> unbelievably hot. Um, yeah, but anyway, Richard making his tiramisu baked Alaska is part of the reason that we actually made our tiramisu um, yeah. pudding at the beginning because we were like, well, there was a tiramisu showstopper and a tiramisu technical, like so we're gonna so do a tiramisu well. signature. Um, Louis made his apparently interpretation of a Bakewell tart. I don't know what a Bakewell tart is. I actually looked it up. Did you? Yes. Uh, let me pull it up. A Bakewell tart. A Bakewell tart is an English confection consisting of a short crust pastry beneath layers of jam, frangipan, and a topping of flaked almonds. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. He had a frangipan sponge with almonds baked into it on the bottom. And then on top of that, he had layered like raspberry and apricot sorbet. Uh, and then on top of his meringue work, which was really beautiful and nicely done. As Surprising is, no one. You know, exactly. as expected. Uh, he had cherries placed along it, which was very nice. Yeah, his design is always amazing. And I have to say, a moment that gets overlooked in this episode because of <laughs> yes. everything else that goes on is this absolute power move by Louis where everyone else is whipping up their meringues and, you know, like, pouring their their uh, molten sugar into their stand mixers or whatever. And, like, everyone's having such a hard time with this. It pans back to Louis, who has two stand mixers running simultaneously, a pan of molten sugar in each hand, and just, like, pouring them directly, like, double-fisting meringues. It's, it is honestly incredible. It's the most powerful I've ever seen Louis. <laughs> that, in his moment, he is King Louis. It is glorious to look upon. Transcendent, even. Yes. Like, if you don't watch the rest of this episode, just look up that moment, because it is a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. So stunning. All, All right. right. So we do have to talk about this now, we don't do. we? So <sighs> what happened was everyone was scrambling to get their ice creams into the freezer. And listen, there are conspiracy theories out there about this. We're going to try our best to present you with the facts. Yes. And possibly some salty commentary. <laughs> possibly. There may be some hot takes on this podcast. As the name of And this will be the hottest of them all. Which is ironic because we're talking about ice cream. So everyone <laughs> was trying to fit their um, ice cream onto their sponge mm-hmm. and get yep. it back in the freezer as quickly as possible. Ian uh, did so. He used a, uh, what's that called? A, tin, a spring a, form. A spring form yeah. pan. Yes, thank you. To hold the ice cream together and keep the caramel in on top of the sponge that he made so he put it back in the freezer Mm -hmm. but diane and nancy couldn't fit their cakes their bakes rather into the freezer so to make room they tried to rearrange took ian's out put theirs in i'm assuming forgot they took yeah i think it is only fair to assume that it was a total just lapse in judgment. I, I don't think it was sabotage. I no. really don't. But yeah, in the course of rearranging these desserts, 
the freezer got closed again, Ian's was left out on the counter. And in a competition where, you know, mere minutes were making this difference for people anyway, Ian came back to, you know, check on his in the freezer and instead found it out on the counter. Totally melted. Totally melted. And so did Ian. Yes. He Ian... had a, a moment of madness, as it was later described. It was a bit of a meltdown where he opened his spring form, it leaked and ran all over and his And there counter. were like 15 minutes remaining in the competition There was no way he could have saved it. Um, so what he did is he opened a spring form pan, it just went out everywhere, and he dumped his bake directly into the trash bin. The whole thing. And the whole thing just dumped into the trash bin and... Stormed off. ...left the tent, which, you know, fair. I don't blame him. I, I really don't either. It was a horrible situation. Um, and I have to say, he handled it like... Obviously, I'm not saying it was professional to dump his entire bake in the trash bin. No. But he handled everything else about it really professionally. Yes. He, you know, came back for judging. When he went up to the judges, he didn't blame anyone else for what happened. Nope, he took full responsibility um, He took full himself. responsibility for it. He said, you know what, I messed up. I should have, you know, tried to present something. Um, and the judges were, were very, you know, gentle but firm about it. They were mm -hmm. like, listen, did you have anything else you could have presented us with? Like, we really would have loved to have seen it. We wouldn't have held you accountable mm -hmm. for this but like so we paul, wanted to see something paul asked him was there anything wrong with your sponge he said no anything wrong with your meringue no was there something wrong with your ice cream he said yes so paul asked where's your sponge where's your meringue yeah. we could have judged that you know yeah. something and it was a really unfortunate contrast too because chetna mm -hmm. um her ice cream was also having a lot of trouble staying up but she was able to get it to just hold enough she couldn't get the meringue on it but right. she presented just her cake with her ice cream on it and said, like, you know, this is what I was able to get. And they actually really loved it. Yeah, so... Unfortunate. As if to twist the knife, <laughs> Chetna bit, was yeah. almost in a similar situation and yeah. handled it much better. Oh, uh, but it was so upsetting. Now, I have to say, there are, again, many interpretations about this. Yes. And I wish I could have seen this episode when it aired because apparently Twitter was a buzz. Hmm. Apparently, British Twitter was having a field day with Bingate. And there were people like <laughs> coming to it, all sorts of all sorts of ire. Yes. Um, a lot of people had a lot of very harsh things to say about Diana, who mm -hmm. again, I do not think this was intentional sabotage. Um, there were actually the official statement from the show by way of Sue, I think, on Twitter. The statement that was made was that the cake was out of the freezer for less than a minute. Like, really, wouldn't have made that much of a difference anyway. However, I do think it's worth noting, as some other observant individuals on the internet have pointed out that uh, there are some inconsistencies in the camera work that don't quite make that factoid hold up. Oh? Yeah, well, because when they go to rearrange the cakes, uh, like, Nancy and Diana are just pulling theirs out, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. And then when Ian comes over and finds his, Diana's cake is almost completely decorated. Ah. So... So how long was it really So out? how long was it out, is the question. Hmm. Hard to say. It is hard to say. I don't know. I'm not here to pass judgment. Those are just the facts. Those are just the facts. <laughs> I am here to tell you that I miss Ian tremendously. He will be missed, yes, in the future. That is to say, you know, obviously, he didn't present anything. He did go home. And it was so... It was so painful for me personally to watch because they so clearly wanted to send Norman home and they couldn't because Ian did this thing. They very clearly, during... The time when Mary and Paul and Mel and Sue were all talking about the bakes, mm -hmm. they were talking about how, you know, Norman just isn't keeping up with everyone else in terms of his flavors and all of this, but 
because of what happened with Ian, they couldn't send him Yeah, and home. for like the third week in a row, Norman was in talks. He was like, like in, in the, the bottom, bottom two. two. And it's so frustrating because every week something happens where they're like, well, Norman didn't do great, but I guess this other disaster has to be addressed. Uh-huh. Every week, Norman is like down there at the bottom. Some horrible thing happens to another baker and they have to send them home instead. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Oh, man. But yeah, so... And again, full marks to Ian, who handled it like a champ. And even in his closing commentary, he was like, you know what? Like, I, I understand this is absolutely what had to happen. I messed up super bad. I still love baking. And I'll try not to let my frustrations get a hold of me in the future. Hopefully, a lot fewer of my things end up in the trash can. Yeah. So many, many happy trails to him. I hope that he has a, a good run. I hope that he's, he's out there baking happily somewhere. Oh, I'm sure he is. And apparently all of his comments on Twitter after the fact were great, too. He, like, came mm-hmm. to Diana's defense and said, like, listen, it wasn't her yeah. fault. Like, this was a me thing. I messed up. Yeah. Which is, so, you know, good for him. Top notch. Yes. Top lad. Yes. Very well done, Ian. Job's a good one. Job's a good one. <laughs> Star Baker this week was... Richard, Richard again. For the second time in four weeks. Yes. This is only episode four. I was thinking about that. Because, mm-hmm. like, I know that Richard's a star, but... Yeah, Richard's uh, a great big star. At this point in the show, Richard is 50% of all star bakers. Yes. And he deserves it. <laughs> he does. He absolutely does. Everyone he has won so far, he deserves. Mm-hmm. You know what else he's won? Our hearts. Our hearts. <laughs> our hearts, our favor. Um, yeah. Richard's such a good guy. He really is. I also do definitely want to eat every single thing he's ever made on this show. Mm-hmm. It looks so good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that about wraps us up this that'll week. That'll close it out. Yeah. Any other closing comments before we offer our tati vies to the audience? Keep baking what you love to bake. <laughs> Please don't let any of it end up in the trash bin. No. This could be you. <laughs> Uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with a little bit less scandal and um, a little bit more composure. <laughs> a little bit more heartwarming content. Um, oh, next week is a tense one, though, isn't it? Which one is next week? Next week is... Uh, I just remember it being very tense when it comes to the judging room. Let's see. Five is pies and tarts. Oh, pies and tarts. Pies and tarts. Yeah, so it's pies and tarts next week. But there's something interesting about next week that... We'll talk about when we get there. I love the Pies and Tarts episode. It's very good. It is very good. All right. And we hope that you'll join us when we get around to it. So, in the meantime, we don't have a sign-off for this. We never have one. I always get to the end and think we should, and then I almost do the one for my other podcast, and it doesn't work. No, that will not work here. (laughs) Definitely not. But um, keep baking, keep making, keep... Taking. Taking. (laughs) All right, ta-ta for now.